Hey everyone, before we get started on today's show, we just want to make a th- clear a few things up from last episode. We mistakenly said it was Andrew Jackson who did not attend his successor's inauguration. It was actually Andrew Andrew Johnson in 1869. Um, I think that's where we got confused. Andrew jo- Jackson, Andrew Johnson, um, but that's the correct name. A- Andrew Johnson um, did not attend his successor's inauguration. Also, another thing we want to make clear here is um, who the Secretary of Interior, if confirmed, is, and her name is Deb Howland. Um, I know that we mentioned her and referenced her, but we did not say her name. So that is her name, Deb Howland. Um, she would be the first Native American woman to run that office, if confirmed, and how historic and wonderful that would be. Anyway, enjoy today's show. We'll be talking about policy and the future of uh, politics over the next four years here. Anyway, enjoy. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Trickle Up Politics. You have it dialed in correctly. It's leave on here with Sean. Say hello, Sean. Hello, hello. We have a lot to get to today uh, because we're going to be breaking out our political science books and talking about policy. Yay. I think a lot of people just dropped off right now. <laughs> not, not if they are wonky. Yeah, if right. Listen, if you're listening to us, you are probably a little wonky. You are a little wonky. I like that. I like that uh, description of our listeners. Wonky. <laughs> I feel like that's a, a British term. Wonky. He's a wee bit wonky. <laughs> um, anyway, before we get started, because we have a lot to get to, we forgot one thing last episode. Bernie Sanders and those mittens. Oh, I know. When I when I listened to the podcast, I actually thought about that in your intro. What the heck? We had, we had a lot to get to on that one, but I, I'm telling you, man, I I have not seen enough Bernie in the last two weeks. I need I need more Bernie. Need more Bernie. That is completely a lie. Um, I'm tired of the burning <laughs> memes, but the, it was hilarious. The, the one that was just perfect in my opinion was, um, you know, I'm just going to pop over to Joe's thing for a minute. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you, when you say that you're a little tired of the Bernie, Bernie memes, you're speaking for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, and I'd love uh, Bernie Mac Demi Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yes. And we'll probably be talking about him a little bit on here today. But um, anyway, yes, him with those mittens, it was, it was kind of, you know, it was great to see, actually to see him like that. He's so genuine. You know, he's fought <laughs> for so long on these issues that let him be, let him be. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he knows that there's the next fight ahead of us, right? Just because yep. Trump is gone, it's doesn't mean you know we stop fighting. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Bernie, Bernie's going to be Bernie. I remember you know listening to Air America. I don't even think it exists anymore. Uh, maybe it does. Oh, no, it's a sports radio show now. Yeah, I remember listening to Air America though, like a decade and a half ago, and Bernie was saying the same shit that Bernie's saying today. So there's no doubt that the man's been on message, and the mittens are on message. So go yes. Bernie, go Bernie, go Bernie, go. 
Um, all right. Well, so we'll kind of get into some of the policies here. There's a lot of policy to talk about as there's um, ongoing negotiations, somewhat of this COVID relief package. I think Joe Biden had a meeting, two-hour meeting today with Republican leaders, 10 of them, I believe. Um, and I didn't see the latest on that. But there's a lot to talk about no matter what. I mean, this is not a, you know, we're not a news podcast. So we're, we're going to talk about the next two years and, and really the implications it has on the elections in 2022 and the implications in 2024. Really where we want to start, I guess, is... How popular can Biden be if he, I guess the COVID relief thing is a layup when you think about it, but it's not. It's a, it's a layup that should be a layup, but it's going to get knocked down by somebody. The ball is going to get knocked right out of the, from going in the hoop. Yeah, I think that Biden can play this pretty smart there there's a question of is biden going to move to the republicans or are the republicans going to move to biden i think biden has the upper hand here the american people one put him in office two the runoff in georgia was a mm -hmm. clear message uh, around covid relief that was a really the the number one item that they campaigned on in georgia so I think there is a mandate of sorts around mm -hmm. this issue that's pretty clear and, and Biden has has the power of that mandate. However, I think that Biden is tactical enough that he went big, bigger than I think as a moderate, Biden will end up going. Yep. And so progressives better be prepared for Biden to shift. Yep. But Biden started with such a huge number uh, that I think him falling back, you're still going to end up with uh, a mammoth uh, relief mm -hmm. package here that, that's really going to be meaningful. You're going to lose a $15 minimum wage. That's, that's easy garbage for somebody like Biden to toss out of a bill. So it's a great threat. It's a great tactical move. Uh, to really message that that's going to get thrown in. But if anyone believes that that's going to be part of this final bill, it's not. Yeah. Um, and so I, I also think that you're going to, you're going to see a move towards targeted uh, relief money and uh, in, in terms of actual cash coming into people's bank accounts. Um, it, you just won't see that happening for, for folks that are making probably over, a uh, hundred thousand uh, dollars they're just not going to see those dollars those are easy moves for biden to make towards the center that he's going to be really comfortable with um, and they're going to move the republican party to the center as well and and that's going to be a win for the biden administration two thousand dollar checks no no you don't think that crosses the finish line uh, no, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see fourteen hundred dollar checks, and I think you're gonna see them in the pockets of individuals making a hundred thousand dollars or less, and that may even move down some to like eighty five ninety. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my prediction. Yeah, and I think you'll get more 
out of it, like you're saying, you get more out of a bill with that. Uh, if you move move down the scale from away from two thousand dollars, because a lot of these states also need um, support with the vaccine rollouts and everything, there's really no centralized system. And of course, we have a decentralized healthcare system, so it makes it even that much worse. So it, there's got to be some sort of, you know, that that's the immediate, really the immediate need right now is to get these vaccines out there. I mean, obviously, and that's kind of preach into the choir here but it really is this is our only defense against this thing right now we don't really have any therapeutics against it um here i am kind of shifting a little bit but i think it's uh really that's the main let's just stop the bleeding i think that's really the key note of the Biden administration is stop the bleeding well i think biden wants to take a win out of this too mm -hmm. I, I think stopping the bleeding is important i think turning the tide in terms of this pandemic is what his presidency will be hinged on. Uh, so if he's not able to, to start to, to round the corner, we're not going to make a, a 90 degree turn here, but if he can start to round that corner off uh, and get us headed in the right direction, his presidency will be remembered for that, that that will be what defines his legacy. So I think this bill will be bigger than any Republican wants and smaller than any progressive wants. But you know what? I, I think that's what Biden brings to the table is the ability to really do uh, the hard work of, of moderating. Um, and that's just not something that we've had in Washington for a long time. It's, it's why Washington sucks, actually, is because we no longer can uh, have true statesmanship where people are uh, coming to the middle, uh, learning or not learning, but kind of exercising that muscle of compromise. And I think Biden's going to bring that to us. Is it going to be boring compared to what we're used to over the last really 12 years uh, and more? Because, you know, the Bush administrations were pretty contentious as well. And mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. There's been a there's been a lot of partisan divide, and I think the the Biden will probably take us back twelve to sixteen years in terms of what politics look like in the form of it's really boring, and it should be really boring, and we're not going to see any major shifts in policy, is is my opinion, and I think this is one of those times where we're going to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, I don't want to, you know, I think a lot of the immediate, like we're in what we're talking about, a lot of the immediate things that we're talking about right now are going to have to do with domestic policy. But I think just going a little bit into foreign policy, um, and we will probably get way more in depth with this at some point. What does that mean for foreign policy then? If we're saying uh, politics is boring and we're going back 16 years here, what does that mean for the foreign policy side of it, right? You know, I think foreign policy wise, Biden has a, a lot of, of work to do just to, to get America back into the game. Uh, we've been for the last four years in a very isolationist stance and a very aggressive stance uh, with many of our allies and China, not 
counting them as an ally, but we've been in a very uh, aggressive posture with, with China as well. And so I personally believe that you will see a fairly boring statesmanship out of our, our foreign policy as well. You're going to see us rejoin Paris Climate Accord, which is great. We're going to rejoin WHO, which is great. So really a step back into the global community. Some people will call that a step back into globalism. Personally, I think that we are stronger as a nation stepping in as a leader and in a globalized world than isolating ourselves in a globalized world. There, there's no stepping back. The world is, and technology is pushing us to a point where we live in a globalized economy. I can, I can be in any country in the world within 24 hours if I choose to be from right now. Uh, the world is just a smaller place and we have to accept that and we have to become part of that global community. Mm -hmm. I would rather be a leader in that then isolate ourselves and become the outcast like like North Korea, right? And if Trump wants to be Kim Jong, you know, they're they're sitting there giving each other handies. That's great, but uh, it's it's not going to do anything for for this country uh, moving forward. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, siding on the side with with Duterte and Kim Jong Un and Putin. <laughs> mm -hmm the strongman right it's it will do us uh absolutely no good that's the uh, you know the access powers right <laughs> right yeah and, and what's odd to me is you know this seems to be one of those places where i get really confused about where conservatives true loyalty lies because if if you are first and foremost a capitalist which is how I see the Republican party, right? We're gonna protect business and free enterprise. Then why would you not be all about globalism and being a leader in globalism to ensure that, well, if you use that we term, are a part of that? If you use that term globalism, mm -hmm. <laughs> the conservative, I think they'll immediately push back on you. <laughs> yeah, which I find <laughs> odd because really, really that comes from the reason our world is getting smaller is because of business, right? Like that's the reason. Mm -hmm. It's about pushing markets and ensuring that you have a larger and larger population to which you can sell your goods. Yeah. That's really what's driving this globalist <laughs> mindset. So why the Republican Party has decided they're going to push against that it's yeah. just odd to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Cause that's not, uh, like you said, free market capitalism. Uh, it is certainly actually, when you think about it, it's not libertarianism either because libertarianism, you, you, you don't have any borders. Right. right. So it's, it speaks to really no political theory when it comes to, uh, any sort of conservatism at all or conservatism, uh, free market capitalism. And yeah, there's no consistency to the argument, right. is my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, okay, so over the next two years, so we have, so it is the year 2021, as we all know, and it's- <laughs> Thanks for filling us in, yeah. man. <laughs> Only a month in. 
only a month, month in. in. I mean, Jesus, it's like to even think about the next election in 2022. It's just like, oh my God, didn't we just effing do this? And we already have to think about 2022, but we do um, because everything right now is going to shape what happens in that midterm, including what we in the situation in the House with Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that kind of sets the stage of who's going to run in 2022. Um, and I, I don't want to get too much into predictions because I don't know a whole lot about the Senate races right now or the, or the house races, because obviously it's still, um, you know, it's not 2022 yet, but um, just going on the forecast over the next two years, obviously what we, how we handle coronavirus. <sighs> will be contingent a lot on these races. I, I think that would be a pretty blanket judgment and probably fairly uh, simplistic. Yeah, I think that that's definitely going to be one of the, the biggest markers is, is how the pandemic is handled, where we're at. I, I think if in if in this next election cycle, people are still having to wear masks and, you know, dining at 25% indoors and not being able to go watch their favorite teams, I, I really think that the Democratic Party will, will suffer some pretty major losses in that midterm. However, if we start to, to round that corner and, you know, and people are more able to move about freely, go to dinner at their favorite spot, you know, take the wife to a a nice restaurant for Valentine's Day next year, those kind of things. I, I think that that bodes well for the Democratic Party. Although I, I will say I don't think that's going to be the, the only issue. I, I really, I really hope, and this is, this is not a prediction. I, I think this is more of a hope than a prediction. I really hope that after a solid year of Biden leadership, that moderation, meaning people who are truly moderates, uh, get, a, get a little more airtime uh, and maybe win a few more seats. Mm-hmm. And as a progressive, that, that's not going to do great things for everything that I want to see. But I think in terms of the health of our republic, for the health of our nation moving forward, there's still 50% of this co- this country that, that's really conservative. And there's 50%. And, you know, I would argue that it's really probably 45 and 55. Uh, I, I think, you know, conservative the Republican party is a minority party and, and it's becoming more so. And they have to, they have to recognize that and stop fighting against the things that are creating that for them. And the democratic party has to become a little more willing to uh, accept that they are the majority. And we have to, we have to get people out to vote who make up that majority. And those are not people that look like you and me leave those are, uh, you know, black and Brown, women um, and native women and Latino men 
um, and women, of course. But I mean, th those are the constituencies that really right. the Democratic Party has to start to tap into. And so I think I think the party has to start to to make some real shifts on both sides. Because Yeah, because you could kind of see this uh, situation kind of playing out already. I, I think there's I forgot what state it was, but I saw a number of 83,000 uh, Republicans uh, change their party registration to not Republican anymore. That's uh, either independent or Democrat. So, and I imagine, I, I don't know the demographic breakdown on that, but this does have implications when it comes to what you're speaking about of the Democratic Party, you know, embracing um, people of color. And so I think that what, What's concerning, though, is uh, when that kind of wing is breaking towards the Democratic Party, I don't want to, I don't assume that it's because, I could be wrong, um, that it's because we have this all-embracing uh, coalition, if you know what I mean. Well, I think, I think the, the reason for the for the break towards the Democratic Party is really the progressive movement. And uh, younger generations are definitely going to lean towards a more progressive platform. And I think one thing that we don't know, but will become clearer over the next few election cycles is where, where are the millennials really gonna fall uh, in, in midlife? Right, because uh, amazingly enough, millennials are moving towards midlife. So we, we really are going to get to see how that generation starts to fall. Yeah. Uh, and are they going to, to fall towards uh, the kind of traditional voting patterns of folks as they mature or will they continue to vote more progressive? I think that's a, a question it's not going to be answered in two years. However, we're going to start to get more and more data every election cycle about where that generation really is going to play out. So I, I think there are those kind of things. But the other thing I wanted to speak to really quick to what you were saying is it's not that the progressive wing of the party or the Democratic Party needs to, to align itself. I can't remember the exact language you used, uh, but kind of all-encompassing coalition right and and kind of go out and woo people of color what the progressive side of the party and what democrats really need to embrace is policy that reflects an understanding of the barriers and impact that the current structure has on people of color mm -hmm. And when we base decisions and policy on an understanding of the impact that has on our communities of color and other underrepresented population, that is what will bring those people into the party. That is what will motivate those people to actually vote. And yep. the Republican Party can do the same thing, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not just speaking to Democrats. It, if the Republican Party wants to move forward. They even said this in their own review of their party uh, after uh, one of, I think it was after the McCain loss where they, where they really kind of dug in and started 
talking more towards this idea of compassionate conservatism and really reaching out to uh, minority and underrepresented populations, the Republican Party can do the same thing. It's about creating a platform that speaks to the needs of those people. And, and that's where we need to be moving. Yeah, no, 100% agreed. Um, representing the people, not not their donors. Yes. Uh, and so I think that it speaks to that issue as well. But I, back to what you're saying was um, that for so long, I feel like the Demo Democratic Party has played that line of let's just say say these things and let's just get people in our in our uh, in our party to vote for us that and we're not actually going to do shit. And so or we're going to have this gradual sort of change this you know this gradual um progression which is i mean i guess some sort of progression but but um and it is those policies it's policies and action like you said um and it's policies that prop the working class up because um there's more um <laughs> there's more people in our boat than um than you know a few rich white dudes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, the other part of this, I think, is important for us to, to have dialogue around in terms of what, what does the party have to do to continue that momentum is, is really recognize that the, the only major policy changes over the last couple decades really have been policy changes that are forced down the throat of the other party uh, and, and not um, bipartisan legislation. Mm -hmm. Bipartisan legislation does not exist anymore. And, and that, you know, that, that was evident when Obama put Obamacare through, it was evident when Trump took the largest tax cut for the rich uh, and placed that burden on the poor in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's where we're headed again with COVID relief mm -hmm. at this point. You know, Mitch McConnell is a, is a master, by the way, because he just kind of hid in the background and packed the courts and, and really did not give a shit that that no legislation went through. Oh, he, yeah. he, he did not care. He had one that was the, that was the hyper focus yeah. on the on the issue. Yeah. And, and, and he mm -hmm. he has totally changed the the courts in this country uh, and and skewed them hard right. So uh, I think that the Democratic Party can learn from that one and you know focus on trying to create some balance back in the courts mm -hmm. uh, and and take a a play out of his playbook my my hesitation is and you know this is this is the weird side of me i i really want to see hard progressive legislation and at the same time it would be really nice to see reconciliation not be the tool of legislation moving forward. Mm. It would be really nice to see real compromise and 
in a way that that is pragmatic, right? Go in and solve a problem. Because I, I think that that would feel really fucking progressive right now in our society uh, if that could happen. And I'm, uh, I just, I would, I would, I would be willing to lose some. There's some areas that we can't budge on, right? We cannot budge on uh, addressing systemic racism, and we cannot budge on revamping. Uh, public safety and public health. Those those are things that we have to took a, take a hard look at in a real way. And we cannot kowtow to the middle on those issues. But when it comes to taxation, when it comes to uh, major infrastructure bills, when it comes to how we're spending trillions of dollars, finding some pragmatic compromise, I, I would love to see that. Yeah. I think, you know, what comes to mind when, when we talk about this is these great, um, God, how, how I want to say this, is these great pieces of, I guess, yeah, you'd say legislation um, that have influenced where we are today as a society. And I think you could point to two of them right off the bat is one, the New Deal, and two, the War on Poverty. I think those are the really the and I think I think now we're we're at that um, we're in that uh, era to have something like that, and and that we've made these strides in in equality and everything, and that we we shouldn't you know like you said budge on systemic racism, and that is not up for negotiation um, ever, and so when we have these great sort of um, legislative uh deals like the green or i always keep saying the green new deal the new, the new deal um and the war on war on pro- poverty is that it's that marker of how 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 far we're coming so if our time comes- yeah and on honestly i i think you bring up the green new deal because that is one of those pieces of legislation that i i think should be put to the test in terms of finding some pragmatic middle ground, mm-hmm. right? Um, the The Republican Party should take the opportunity to say, you know what, we need some economic stimulation in this economy. It's time. And here's a really great way for us to do it. And, you know, for years, we have taken a hard look at climate change and though we may not fully agree with progressives that this is an immediate crisis it is clear that we can do better for our our environment and and move our world forward and we can get rich as fuck off of doing it so let's do it gmc right right? gmc is now going full electric by 2020 uh 2035 I mean, if you if we're talking about corporations uh, writing legislation, I mean, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And so I think the Republican Party really could look at some of these issues, in my opinion, and and bring the progressive movement to the middle a little bit. The mm-hmm. they can move a little bit, mm-hmm. but we could we could do some some big things. And and like you said, the, there are points in history where this has happened. The New Deal is a great example of that and, and kind of the, 
the predecessor to the idea of the Green New Deal. But you know what? Civil rights legislation was another example of this, where people recognized that, you know what? We took our time getting here, but we're here. It's time to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we're really the Green New Deal and the Civil the Civil Rights Act, we're, we're there again, right? It's time to take that next step it, for, need, for both the New Deal yeah. and the Civil Rights Act. We have new legislation that needs to be taken on and both parties need to say, this is where we're at as a society. It's time to take the step forward. And it comes in forms of what, what we have on the table right now is the Green New Deal and the New Voting Rights Act. Right, and we have, and we have to, we have to look at the war on drugs, mm -hmm. the war on, poverty, war on poverty, the war on mental health. We we have to look at how we're policing our communities. Mm -hmm. We have to look at public safety and public health, right. and and I don't know exactly what that legislation looks like because that's a that's a big lift but we have to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the new, uh, you know, the new Voters' Right Act, uh, is, yeah. you know, ties into that kind of racial underpinning that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have some, some real community work to do. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that, we, <laughs> so when it, going in our timeline here with 2022, um, Unfortunately, I, I think those broad sweeping uh, legislations that will be, you know, game changing probably won't happen until uh, until after 2022. And what does that look like? And what does Congress look like by then? Because we're going to be marred in this in this uh, in the COVID stuff. And um, but I think that the, the Democrats do have that advantage in saying well, let's, um, let's pass these legislations so this type of stuff doesn't happen again, where we don't have people unemployed, where we don't have people starving, where we don't have families not knowing what to do when the next paycheck is coming, where they're going to live, you know, and, and so they, you know, they can really hit on that with, the, with legislation like the Green New Deal. Yeah, I, I want to come back to the Republican Party mm. as the Trump Party Patriot is Party? not is is not good yeah the Patriot Party <laughs> is not gonna do shit in terms of finding middle ground being pragmatic nope. they're just going to continue to name call mm -hmm. create conspiracy theories and lie to the American people that's what they're going to do and as long as that is voted for and accepted, then we are, I, I have no idea what to expect over the next two, four, it's, it's eight hard. years. Um, it, it's hard. Other than, other than we're going to continue to, to create a, a wider divide. That's the thing is they they love this old Marjorie Taylor Greene thing. They, they don't they don't have to focus on on what the Democrats' plans are and legislations. They they get to have this controversy playing out with this with this this woman. This she's queuing on whatever I, conspiracy conspiratorial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting. I, 
I come from kind of this Marxist viewpoint. And, and when I say Marxist, I mean conflict theory viewpoint, right? So the, the powerful maintaining power in this constant struggle for resources. Mm-hmm. And in that philosophy, Marx really talked to the idea that religion was the opiate of the masses. And, and in his time, I, I think that was really true. And I think we still are seeing individuals like this batshit crazy chick that you're talking about and Trump and others, they still wield religion. Um, but <laughs> the, the opiate of the masses is really this distraction that you're speaking to, right? It, it is, and Trump perfected this. It is the, the mastery of just distraction. We're not gonna focus on anything that actually matters because you're gonna be so focused on how fucking crazy I am mm-hmm. that it won't matter. And some people are going to think that's really fun. And so they're just going to jump on board because we're a bunch of fucking trolls in this country. And if we can piss you off, that seems a whole lot more entertaining than if we can actually find some common ground. Uh, This is all just one huge game, uh, just one huge shell game, right? It's a shell. Yeah. The truth is they already pulled the ace. The the ace is out of the stack, man. It's gone, long gone. Right. Because the Democrats have all control in the in the government, so that's it, it's they had to pull that ace. And so, what's interesting that you say that about religion is, you replace religion with QAnon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with these conspiracy. I, I mean, they're they're yeah. kind of similar in a way, right? I right mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to be after me now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. i mean the the issue i have with with q on is is really i i wish that i could meet q because i have this <laughs> sense that he's like this 16 year old brilliant kid that's just having the the time of his life fucking with people right because or at it least is a, yeah yeah it's a hodgepodge of every conspiracy that's ever existed everything I mean, these people, a lot of conspiracy theories, these people just, and I think the craziest thing to me with any conspiracy theory, but especially this level of conspiracy theory is that these people honestly believe that somehow you could keep all of this a secret, right? Like, like somehow every media outlet in the world not just in the U.S., but in the world, is complacent with these devil-worshipping pedophiles drinking the blood of children. <laughs> I, I just, how how are you that gullible, right? And that's uh, that's where my my suggestion of it leans towards religion, because I you know I have my questions about how gullible you are mm-hmm. with religion as well however i i don't see a redeeming quality to QAnon, and i see some real redeeming qualities right to religion so i i I want folks that have yes a faith system that's based in religion to understand that i i do see redeeming qualities to religion QAnon, you know you're just you're fucking crazy (laughs) 
So here's the thing. Yeah. With that, it's, you're like a Scientologist. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually a better parallel. Um, <laughs> now the Scientologists are going to be after us. Jesus Christ, Sean. Um, that's fine. <laughs> Come on, Tom Cruise. Well, you know, what's interesting though, is that they, that they were like, well, what's for the children is for the children is for the children. It's like, yes, then go freaking volunteer for an organization that fights against the, um, against child trafficking, against tra- yeah. human trafficking. Yeah, there are real people that do that. Yes. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it is a real thing, yes, but this whole drinking blood stuff, like you were saying, and that the Democrats yeah. are eating children, it's just not there. It's not true. Well, it's not just Democrats, though. I mean, these people well, yeah. are crazy because it's it's every president since Reagan, right? Right. Yeah, it's, mean, right. it's, every, yeah, it's George W. Bush. It's <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm. It's, I, it's insanity. It really is. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy some conspiracy theories, mm-hmm, right? Like skull and crossbones. That's a pretty good conspiracy <laughs> theory. The Illuminati. I'm sure we'll have a whole episode. So, I I mean, I enjoy a good conspiracy theory, but I also can admit that these are conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. I mean, Skull and Crossbones is pretty sketchy. Yeah. I mean, you've had a lot of presidents, so something's going on. But what's really going on is you're all a bunch of rich pricks. Right, right? exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's not that hard to explain away. So it's kind of fun to to dig into your craziness a little bit. So that, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I wish for these people that that are in that are in this uh, that have taken this dive into this, and have really turned their back on their families, and their families are worried about them. I hope, I really hope, honestly, the best for them. I hope that they, you know, I wish we had a system that, that a healthcare system where you can get mental health treatment if you need to. And you don't have to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars for you know appointments with a psychiatrist i wish we had a system right now that um that you're supported when you lose your job and i hope we have a system that that will support us and and so we don't have to have these issues because these people i mean some of them have nothing left so that's the humanity i guess my humanity side that comes out and when in regard to these people but other than that man i can't i can't defend you when it comes to you know speaking about terror and and wanting to uh harm people and and really this like you said it's like some conspiracy theories are entertaining but this is just dangerous this is just yeah we've crossed the line for sure i mean when you when you're willing to to participate in an insurrection when you're posting that you're going to assassinate the speaker of the house i mean these are just things that no no patriot and no republican should be saying or should be condoning or should be silent about Mm -hmm. and I think that's the hardest thing for me through this whole this whole kind of transfer of power and everything that's gone on over the last few months it is is people who are just willing to sit idly by or rationalize and justify the behavior it, it, it's time that we we stop doing that mm-hmm. and i i hope because i i don't know but I hope 
that if the tables were turned, I I could see through my own mm-hmm. affiliations and my own belief structures uh, and see through personality to these issues, right? And that's what I, I think individuals are finding it hard to do is they can't see through the personalities that have driven them to this point to actually look at the reality that's happening around them. Right. And, and I hope that I, I would be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hope that I'm never tested to that point because, yeah. you know, the people that, that I put my faith in, I, I hope would not betray me in that same way. But, but I think the leaders uh, of a lot of the conservative movement right now have betrayed the people that they lead and they're leading them astray. And that's, it's just a sad time in our, in our history. Yeah. And when there's division like that, there's profit, unfortunately, that, you know, that with these, that's a big, it's a big profit now. It's a big business now, this conspiratorial stuff. And someone's making a profit on it and a political profit at that too. And so, like you said, it's, yeah, these leaders have turned, turned their backs on, on the people that in which they represent and have gone to this place where it's just, honestly, it's, it's unforgivable in some sense. And yeah. Um, anyway, that's why I say, I hope that we could have a system that that works for everyone, even including people that. <laughs> so I think that that gets us a little bit closer to on track with yeah. what our conversation is today. Right. And, and what do you think the likelihood of that is moving forward in the next four years? You know, this is one of the, the major legislative items that Biden campaigned on was improving Obamacare or the mm-hmm. Affordable Care Act. So what do you think the likelihood is that we actually get any change made to the Affordable Care Act that improves any of our health outcomes or access? So the, this is actually one that I wanted to bring up that I couldn't remember in our pregame <laughs> um, is, is health care. I think, so first, I think the Supreme Court will, will, rule, will rule in favor of Obamacare in June. Um, I, I don't think they're too happy that this is something that they, they have to hear um, and judge on. <laughs> and so I think it up, is upheld because the, the basis in, what, in which it's presented, they're not too happy um, with, uh, with the appeal. So that aside, I think it, I mean, there's a lot of things that a lot of moving parts there, right. When it comes to this stuff, right. It's just like with anything else, do, do we get, you know, uh, it comes down to like COVID relief, right. I would like to say that we get a public option. I would love, love to say that, but I think the really the big one now it's kind of like with the public option back in 2009, we had uh, Joe Lieberman. Uh, we had Joe Lieberman uh, say, you know, that voted down on the public option. And same thing now, we have someone like Joe Manchin, who's, uh, who's probably not very favorable of a public option, who is a Democrat. And um, if it's a party vote right now, minus Joe Manchin, then it's, it's not there. So I'd like to say that that comes to a head again. I think that the public option is really the, the main thing we got to turn to when it comes to improving on Obamacare. 
because that's the main missing point or main missing uh, piece. I, I agree 100% that that's the missing piece that we have to get to a public option. I, I think it's ridiculous that we're not having a conversation around universal health care. Yeah. The, the Republican Party has done a brilliant job of demonizing socialism and the idea that somehow uh, if we socialize our healthcare system that we become some, you know, dictatorship in uh, South America or something. I mean, it, it's just insane. Yeah, they never we, think about Norway, do they? What the hell? No, they don't think about Norway. <laughs> they don't think about Canada, like yeah. the most polite people in the world. No, right. we're going to, we're going to go to some El Salvadorian dictator right. or something, right? Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's insanity Mm -hmm. what the what the republican party has been able to pull off with those talking points but uh they've done it and they they've done an amazing job uh at that and you have to give them some credit for for sticking to a message for decades and and really making it resonate yeah so i i'm with you i i don't see the public option being on the table uh, I, I don't see any major change when it comes to the Affordable Care Act. I think it, I think it's here to stay, um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that the. I agree with you. The Supreme Court is not going to overturn legislation that that has now been in effect for um, over a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe not over a decade, but we're pushing it at least. Yeah. yeah. So. It, it's just it is the law of the land at this point and yeah, it's, it's not going to change mm-hmm. but i don't think i don't think it's going to change in either direction i guess because i know that some of the pieces have been ruled unconstitutional well the only the Same only piece time. so yeah that was that was the mandate right that was the and mandate. that was the and, mandate yeah, I do, yeah and clearly clearly the mandate has not made a difference when they zeroed it out right Uh, I mean, it just, it didn't change the law and and all of us knew that that was really kind of a, yeah, an attempt to placate Republicans in a way, uh, which Republicans then of course chastised it, but it really was an attempt to placate Republicans. And, and there's some argument for a mandate in terms of bringing costs down, but it, it clearly didn't have the desired effect. The only real way for us to get affordable health care for every single American is to just have socialized health care. That's just I, I mean, that, that is the only way to do it. But, and what's sad to me is people don't understand that that's more affordable. Yeah. And if, if we can, as a society, start to have the conversation of if you are healthier then I am healthier and if we are healthier, our community is healthier, what's the value of that? Is having cheaper healthcare and everyone mm-hmm. having access to it of value? Right. Seem, seems like a win-win to me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's socialized. You're right. Yes, your taxes are going to go up. You're right. Guess what? You're going to pay less towards the taxes that go up than you do towards the premiums to get mm-hmm. your healthcare. And oh, by the way, our community will also be healthier. Like all of us not just you not just right. me but all of us and that's just it right there is is i always say you know what what would be your message you know to trump supporters or something i, I would say 
hey, I'm I'm the what I think in the world with with uh, with healthcare being equal, right? I'm fighting for you in that too. You know, I'm fighting for you in that too. And but you want death panels. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. want death panels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if I don't agree with you ideologically, well, then you're gonna just let them kill me. <laughs> And so, well, that, that actually brings us, brings me to a point that in which we'll get into another day is the framing of, of Obamacare and of some of these legislations that the Democrats want to try and get to is I'm afraid that they, they always allow the uh, Republicans to uh, control the narrative on, on the, on the bills in which they pass into law. Um, (laughs) So I think like with Obamacare at first, it was incredibly popular. It went through, you know, this process and all of a sudden it was uh, pulled at 30, 30% after a couple months. Um, yeah, most people love their Obamacare now. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's very, oh, it pulls really, it's really, it's like yeah. Medicare. It's like Medicaid too. The polling with it, it's, it's consistent with that. I think it's probably about 60 to 70% approval. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, I think you're headed towards this, kind of idea around uh, popular legislation and, and those kind of things. But we, we because of the partisanship, mm-hmm. we, we destroy everything, right? Even if it's a great idea on the other side, well, fuck that, I'm gonna destroy yeah. it and then I'm gonna name it something else. Right. And then I'll bring it to the floor when <laughs> we're in power and now it's something good. Obamacare yeah. was the Affordable was Care Act. And Romney Care, yeah, but it's Affordable Care Act. Yes. But then, then they put uh, attached Obamacare to the, yeah, so. Right, but um, Obamacare is Romney Care. Right? It is like Romney this, Care. This is, this it's is, Heritage Foundation Care. This is Sorry. really, uh, it's really where we're at in our culture, though, that a, a very conservative, Mind you, a fairly progressive, conservative uh, platform in terms of expanding healthcare. It's conservative because it relies on the free market. It's progressive because it expands healthcare, right? So it it wasn't a bad policy. No. And Obama stole it. That's fine, right? It's proven to work. Right. It's a it, and this is the part that's crazy, right? It comes from a conservative state, and then the conservatives just destroy it. Yeah. Had they had the opportunity to do it, they they would have done it. We would have had a, we, because we they have didn't public, have the opportunity. We would have had public option. That that we would have that was the Heritage Foundation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the conservatives could have gone that far, man. That, but I mean, I mean, if you look at the original plan of it from the Heritage Foundation, had the public option. So well, and there's there's good reason, even for the public option, when you're coming from a conservative perspective, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because what's going to happen then is that you take the the sickest people the poorest people and you force them onto the public option, the lowest cost option and the option that's not going to provide a profit and you take them out of the free market 
and then you force the other people into the free market where they can jack up the prices and they're not going to pay out for healthcare. It's a it's a really great capitalist system where the state takes the liability and the corporation gets the profit. Yeah. So I I I totally understand where that is a conservative viewpoint. It's also why a socialist system makes far more sense Mm -hmm. so that we can spread the cost out across all of us, the sick and the non-sick, so that the cost of our healthcare just kind of melts into each other and we're taking care of one another. Yep. Well, uh, a notable conservative of recent uh, was in support of uh, uh, universal healthcare. That was Donald Trump at one point in his life. Donald Trump is not a conservative. He's right. not a Republican. He is a Trumpian. And the only thing he cares about is Donald Trump. And anyone that thinks differently needs to pull their head out of their ass or out of his ass and his take ass. a look at the real world for about five minutes. Because that man does not care yeah. about anyone or anything other than Trump. Well, isn't that the Republican Party now, though? And this is that personality thing I'm talking about, right? For some reason, people love Trump because he's willing to say shit nobody else is willing to say. He's an entertainer. Trump is an entertainer. And, you know, it's kind of like watching WWE. Man, you know that shit is fake. You know that shit is scripted. It is horrible acting. And yet, you can't turn away. It's a train wreck. I I don't actually watch it. but No, but I mean, we all watch it. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, there's still entertainment value, right? Even though we know it's fake, even though we know it's not real, even though we know it's scripted and awful and ridiculous, we still turn it on. And we all have something like that that we tune into right mine is probably ridiculousness right like yeah i love watching people hit themselves in the nutsack and do scorpions that that's just great yeah. is there any value to that whatsoever no <laughs> and the same is true for trump there's no value yeah. to trump whatsoever but people still want to tune in and see how much shit is he gonna fuck up yep even right now as he is not in office anymore and <sighs> the only re- the only way he stays relevant is if we allow it to happen honestly at this point um if we allow that it it really is if the conservative if they allow should i should say yeah they if allow the conservatives it. choose to to allow that and and there is still benefit to that right uh for yeah. for the conservative movement i mean we've we've talked about this many times here but there's there's still benefit for for them to allow Trump to go to the extremes because it, it's still one, it brings people into the party mm-hmm. uh, who are radicalized, who are willing to to give up their life savings, who are willing to to create um, a, a scene like we saw on January 6th. I mean, there is value to having minions and and Trump brings that. The other thing that Trump allows Republicans to do is hide behind him, right? 
he's the crazy one and behind him they can do things that they were never able to do before his tax cut they would have never they would have never pulled that crap off that is uh, trump's legacy and they love him for it and they're right they couldn't have done it without him yeah well isn't that interesting allow that to happen right isn't that interesting that they're all like you know the establishment's like they're they're fine with that they're fine with that they're fine with um him screwing over the working class but you know they're like well just don't don't do that crazy uh, extremist bullshit like don't do that part just keep screwing over the american people like that's all we care about well and that's they're one and the same exactly in the yep mm-hmm. we'll wrap up with a quick question uh and then wrap up wrap down not sure anything's quick with us but okay no no it isn't <laughs> but i would say like what's your predictions for 2024 without but you have to answer this question first obviously because how are you ever going to make a prediction without saying this uh, answering this question first does joe biden run in 2024 I don't think he does, mm. honestly. I mean, there's there's a lot that plays into that, but I I think that I think that Biden is a one-term president by choice, um, and I, I think there's a few things that could could sway my opinion on that. If we see a shift. In the Republican Party, which the statement made after their meeting with Biden today gives me hope. Um, go look at that uh, because the, the yeah. statement put out by the 10 Republicans that were okay. there um, was quite impressive in terms of its civility. So that's the latest on that then? Yeah. Because like I, uh, I haven't heard the latest on Sorry. Yeah, that that statement was really civil, right? They didn't really say that anything was accomplished, but yeah. but man, uh, the, the tone is just so different. So I think that if if he can see a real shift in the civility, right? If he really feels like he's winning the uncivil war, then I, I think you could see him run again. I also think it will really depend on movement around systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think that Joe Biden will run again if he doesn't feel that some movement has happened under his leadership. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Joe Biden, and this is, you know, just me pontificating, um, <laughs> I think that if there is really no movement in the uncivil war and there is no movement in the the civil rights issues of our day, then he will see an opportunity to turn the reins over to his vice president, who I believe he picked specifically for this reason. And I, I think that he will say, I'm too old for this shit and go out and be a mouthpiece for her yeah, and uh, put her in office or attempt to put her in office. 
So that's my prediction. Yeah. I, I think if those two things, if he feels that there are movement on those two things, you may see him run. Yeah. Um, but if no movement, I think he says adios. Yeah. And I, it, that brings me to exactly what uh, is your assessment on that as well. Um, is that if he's popular and he's healthy, why not? Um, I don't, I don't know about the popular thing, honestly, yeah. because I don't know if those two things move and he's really seen, I, I, I guess he would be seen as popular within his own party. That's for damn sure. Um, but I mean, if, so yeah, I, I guess you're a hundred percent right. Actually, as I'm talking through that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, you could take that many different ways. I think in general, yes, if things are being addressed yep. in our society and different demographics are approving of him and he's healthy. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, yep. uh, I think you're right. let's go I think ahead. He has and, an easy out though as well. What's that? Sorry. I know you were wrapping up. I was just <laughs> no, saying, fine. I think he has a, I think he has an easy out in, in the sense of his age, right? Yes. I, yes. I think that most Americans would accept him saying, listen, you know, I, I'm getting old and, uh, and let's just, let's move it on to somebody younger yeah. and, and a little more spry and, and ready to go. Which could be a popular move in itself. Right. So, well, we had a lot to unpack that episode. Um, I, that was great uh, talk. I know some of it's hard to predict this stuff nowadays because it's not a standard sort of um, political world anymore. Um, but I think that we hit on some important issues. And I think next time when we, uh, when we meet and do the show, I think we'll have even more, uh, uh, things to talk about. We'll be talking about the electoral college. Ooh, yeah. So that's that's always a prevalent issue, isn't it? Um. So, what are you looking for in the next week? What's uh, I guess, in your own life, in in this world? What do you, you know? What is what's your forecast for this next week? Uh, I get my second COVID vaccine tomorrow, so I am looking forward to feeling a little more protected, mm -hmm. uh, excited. There, you know that there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel there, so mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. Um, other than that, I don't I don't have a lot for you. <laughs> That's fine. Well, as of right now, I'm fully uh immunized i i think i got attained that status probably on this last uh friday uh because i think it takes two two to three weeks is the is the timeline um for the antibodies to be fully kicking in uh so yeah um i think what i'm looking at is uh is a number i saw today was there's more vaccines distributed than cases for the first time and I'm looking to be looking for awesome. that trend. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a huge milestone in, in the sense of all this, this has been going on a year now. It is crazy. Um, so that's, that's one thing I'll be looking at. Um, 
and I'll be listening to this. Uh, there's this really good podcast by Axios. Forgot the guy's name that does it. Um, but it's all about the um, the end, end, end of Trump's days, basically. And the, uh, and the um, reports behind that. And I forgot what the term is, but it's basically um, reporting on people that were actually in the room but you can't use their name. I can't remember what that term is called, but um, I've listened to the first three episodes. Really interesting. It's Axios is called um, uh, how it happened or something like that. Um, So that's what I'll be listening to and looking for over the next week is just how these uh, negotiations will play out and just going from there and hopefully returning to some sort of normalcy (laughs) getting the vaccine in some sense. I mean, we still got to be careful for us, ourselves because we could still, I guess, you know, pass it along to others. So still continue yeah. to be safe, but, you know, but knowing that some peace of mind though, at the same time. So with that though, any final words or hold your peace? Well, all right then join us next time on trickle up politics. Hope you enjoyed May peace, love and joy be with you all. All right. See you now. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show. Really hope you enjoyed. If you want to send us any uh, listener feedback or anything like that, you can send it to trickleuppoliticsshow at gmail.com. That is trickleuppoliticsshow at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. You're awesome.